ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Today, I hung out with Kelsey Wolber to chat about her inspiration behind fitness and how prepping physically benefits hunting. All right, everybody. Today, I have Kelsey Wolber with me. She is a fitness trainer, hunter, blogger, um, all of, there's a whole lot of you that, uh, that you do. You have a lot of hats that you wear, and I am just grateful that you are here with me today. Yes, I am so excited and thankful that you, um, with Western Contours, even reached out to me. So that's very exciting for me as well. Well, I started noticing um, kind of your impact of joining fitness and health with our hunting community. And I've read a couple of the things that you've written and just what you've been standing for. And hunting kind of encompasses a whole lot of our lives. And this is one of those Mm -hmm. things and you are very passionate about it. And so I wanted to highlight what you've been doing. Um, but give us, do, do me a favor and kind of give me an intro of who you are and how you started in the outdoors. Cause I know it was fairly young. It was pretty young. Uh, I grew up in a small, uh, town in Eastern Oregon and I grew up with my dad fishing. Mostly he was the source of my introduction to the outdoors and we fished all the time, whether it's just, um, you know, the pond behind our house or driving hours in the boat and we fished all the time. And when I got to the age that I could tag along with him in the woods, we, he would take me out and it wasn't for the hunt. Mostly it was teaching me, um, sense of 
direction and tracking and just being able to take care of myself outside and learning things that I didn't know were lessons at the time. It was just like, oh, come on, dad, like, this isn't fun. We aren't, you know, we don't see any animals. And one thing that it didn't really resonate with me is I wrote about this in my, one of my hunting blogs is there was a time that we just walked up on, on top of this knob, super wooded area. And I'm just walking behind him. Just again, just, dad, this isn't the fun part. Come on. Like, where's all the deer? (laughs) And he's like, all right, take us back to the truck. And I had no idea where we were. I wasn't being a mind of the direction we had gone. Don't didn't even know which way was up at that point. And Mm -hmm. I was probably 10 years old. And he's like, well, you're going to struggle until you get us back. Just sit here, think about it, take your time. And that didn't have an impact on me until later in, in life. And that, you know, sit back and just figure it out. And I thank him for that all the time. Yeah. I, I think that I was talking with somebody the other day and I've got kids and I've got kids are the age that um, they are there where you are then. And it was, we have tried to integrate things along the way, just walking, hiking, doing things like that, preparing them for the time that they would be ready to hunt. But um, I don't think that they will get, like you said, they won't see all of it come to fruition until they struggle through it and figure it out yeah, on their own. I think that's absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things that you don't realize it in, in the moment, but you can think back on it and be like, well, thanks pops. That was a real good lesson. I didn't even know was a lesson at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how important that struggle is, uh, to push yourself mm-hmm. past, um, where you thought you were good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, I think as I've grown in hunting, I've noticed that I do more learning when I struggle through something, when it's just something that's told to me and I do what I've been told. And I mean, there's one lesson in that, but I learned so much more when I realize this is hard. I'm having to push myself through this and, um, I will never forget those lessons. I completely agree. And that's how I got into the fitness industry as well. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. When I was 15 years old, I was in my first ever weight training class as a freshman in high school. And I ended up breaking my back doing um, power cleans in weight training how the, in the world? The, oh my goodness. I know. It the the break itself it wasn't as severe as it it could have been. I know that sounds pretty I, cliche or not as intense, but I was able to not have any surgery. I just I lived in a PT clinic for the rest of my high school 
career, but it just impacted the way that I had to do things. I had to be much more mindful about how I played sports, how I held my body. And I had to adapt how I did everything just because of something that I wasn't taught properly how to do. And my safety wasn't a concern Mm -hmm. to my, my instructor. And that just kind of became my outlook on life is, okay, this is, this is the cards that I've been dealt. I never let it hold me back, but I always had to find a way to do it the way that it worked for me Mm -hmm. just because I had a different hand of cards. So going through high school, I played sports. I played sports all through college. I played fast pitch softball and training for that was so much different than the other people's that I, I tried not to let it hold hold me back. I didn't want to be treated any differently. I didn't want to have those different circumstances because you're on a team. You want to be right there in the mix of it. So I, again, just had to figure out how it, how I can make this situation work for me and while keeping myself safe and healthy because I had to be my number one priority and my health had to be my own priority and focusing on sports so much growing up, I was in the outdoors as much as possible, but, uh, softball was my number one priority for the most part growing up and being able to be my own advocate and stand up for myself taught me a lot. And when I got into the the job force, I was told um, being a personal trainer isn't going to make you any money. You're going to not enjoy the hours. Your clients don't uh, appreciate all the work you put into it. And I was talked out of it many a times by college college professors, by my friends, by uh, other employers. And it ended up taking a lot of jobs to figure out that I had to revert back to that mindset of, I have to take care of of myself. I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. And I ended up quitting a pretty cush job. Um, great work hours, decent money. And, but I was so unhappy and I quit my job and I started my own business in personal training and, and fortunate enough to be able to keep doing that, um, as a full-time gig now. That is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Just learning how to be my own advocate. I think that a lot of struggles. I think that a lot of times we, um, I don't think that we learn how to advocate for ourselves, especially as women until later. Um, and I think Mm -hmm. that you have been able to grow slowly, but surely through that learning how important that is, um, but I truly think that especially we as women are late to that game. Um, and 
I don't know. I, we've pushed our daughter and our son the same way. Uh, we have not mm-hmm. in their mindsets of goals and, and things like that. But um, I wish that I feel like when I was growing up, it might have been a little bit different um, between brothers think, and sisters. Yeah, I think so too. And it's, we, as kids, we always are told, you know, listen to the older generations. They're Mm -hmm. the ones who have gotten to the point that they've gotten at and they've put in the work they know. And we were just told that from, you know, as long as we can remember Mm -hmm. is respect your elders. And it, like we we said, it just took a long time for me to be like, well, what about respecting myself and what I want to do? Yeah. And so it took a lot of time for me to be like, it's okay. And Mm -hmm. if I fail, that's okay too. Yes. And I've failed, I've failed a lot in a lot of avenues and I don't think I would be where I at if I hadn't have failed. And I, I love what I do and I love that I'm able to be in the outdoors and help people, um, in the gym as well. Right. Well, you've got, so you got your bachelor's in exercise science, but you also have Mm -hmm. your personal training. Um, you're certified through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. So you didn't just go to Joe Schmo down the street, who's a personal trainer and get certified by there. Like you have gone the right steps, you know, now, um, especially for athletes, for hunters, for people who are going to be training for these specific things, you know, how to safely train them, um, in an athletic way, not just losing weight, not Mm -hmm. just being healthy, but all of those things combined. Yes. Um, the national, um, the certification that I got, it is a very intense, very rigorous certification and it costs a lot of money to Mm -hmm. be able to enter this, this program. So I feel very proud of the fact that I have that certification and on top of my bachelor's degree just gives me a very good foundation to be able to look at at someone and be able to meet them exactly where they're at and being able to get them to their goals without making them feel like they are way out of their league or way out of their comfort zone and just being able to give them exactly what they need exactly where they're at because we're not going to grow when we're in that comfortable safe zone, but everybody's different in the sense that they need what they need, but you also have to give them a little bit of what they want, Mm -hmm. but being able to grow that person in a safe way to where they want to be. Yeah. Well, tell me being an advocate. Yeah, go ahead. No, being an advocate for them and for their goals. I think that people forget that you've exactly. got a goal and it's not just, it's you are advocating for the goal as well and you're not going to get there. Exactly. Like I wouldn't get to that goal if you didn't have both of those things in mind. Mm-hmm. And everybody's different. Every body is different. Mm-hmm. You and I aren't going to move 
the, the same and being able to adapt an exercise or an entire program yeah. for people in a way that's going to benefit them. And my job is ultimately to keep that person safe. Right. And that is so huge for me, just be, going back to the fact that I was not kept safe in that same situation situation. So being able to keep someone safe, but also get them stronger, able to do the things that they didn't think that they could and being their cheerleader the entire way through it Mm -hmm. gives me just a sense of accomplishment. And that's what really fills my cup is encouraging someone to do the things that they didn't think they were able to, to do because a physical process can bleed into the rest of our our lives and being able to accomplish things that we didn't think we were able to. So if you can just, you know, lay the foundation of someone being able to do the thing that they didn't think they were going to be able to do physically, Mm -hmm. think of all the things that that could and all the other aspects of their life that that can just trickle into. And it just becomes this, just this flood of positive energy and goal getting and accomplishing things that you hadn't even thought of yet, but you've already done them. Yeah. And that is just really cool for me. Yeah. It's a snowball effect. I mean, it's, yes. it's, it's being able to say, Hey, I want you to jump up on that today and they jump and then you move yeah. it higher the next day. And they're like, I can't do that. And the second they do it, the, they light up. And it's, it's that push it, it, or it's the successes that you set up along the way. Um, yeah. And I think I can get more excited than they are to, <laughs> to see them do it. I'm all like, I'm totally that person that's jumping up and down and I scream and I clap and I am so excited for them because I knew that they had it in them. Mm-hmm. It's just them being able to convince their mind that they can. Right. And you know, you have to, you have to celebrate even the smallest victories. Mm -hmm. And if you can't be that person for you, I will be that person for you. Yeah. Yeah. And people need that. It's, um, whether it's in a, a different job market, whether it's in you're being the boss or you've got somebody underneath you, um, whether you're a parent or, um, what, whoever you are and wherever you are in those stages, it's, um, you need those people in your life for sure. I totally agree. Yeah. I agree. Okay. So tell me, let's, we're going to throw this into because of the fitness and the passion. And I love that guy and I have definitely used the hashtag rep your passion because I feel like you do this well. Um, you correlate, uh, and you put fitness into hunting and how fitness has benefited your hunting and other people's hunting. And so tell me a little bit about that. When I first started getting back into hunting, so we lived on um, Oregon's West Side for a couple of years after graduating college. And that wasn't the environment for us. So when we moved back home, I live in a town now about 10 minutes from where I 
grew up. So I am just in my home turf and I was so excited to get back to doing the things that I once loved. Mm-hmm. And I was active and in the gym. But when I came, when I moved back home and I was like, I'm going to hunt again, I'm going to fish again, we're going to hike more, just doing all the things that I just wanted to get back to, to my roots and doing, I realized that I, I wasn't built for that anymore. Mm-hmm. And something had to change. I was out of shape, couldn't make it up to the top of the hill. Dragging an animal out to the truck was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And I realized that I had the tools to make that change and to make it so I could go farther. So, and I think I've always thought that if I'm going to best an animal in its environment, I have to be on that animal's level mm-hmm. and being able to give the animal the respect that it deserves to to keep up with it mm-hmm. and be better than that animal and being just the best that I could be if I'm going to be out there as a hunter. And so I started experimenting with training programs on myself, like the last couple hunting seasons of, do I need more reps and less weight for endurance? Or do I need to be stronger and have more muscle mass? So am I doing as much weight as I can for less reps and just being my own, my own guinea pig of thinking about what movements am I doing out there and how can I translate those movements into the gym Mm -hmm. and how, how is that going to make me the best hunter out there that I can be? Mm -hmm. And it's been a really fun experience. And I can say that this last deer season, um, it opened on October 12th here in Washington and I've never felt better out in the hills. So it was really exciting for me to know that all my hard work has paid off in that opening weekend. I see there's a meme that's out there right now. You never realize how out of shape you are until you're dragging an animal out. <laughs> and it's true. Oh my it's goodness, so that's true. true. Um, but being able to walk in, like you said, and feel confident and feel like you have really worked hard to prep, that goes into the ethical side of hunting. You're, you've got your prep season and you've got your um, – you're not just preparing your your mindset or preparing the fields or preparing by scouting. You're not just doing that. You've got to prepare your body for it. Absolutely. And I think that's something that we all take for – Granted, is I can walk, I can carry a a pack, but what if it comes down to to the last day and you are still on that same ground that you have been on, mm-hmm. and you're just not sure you're not sure what's over that next hill, or you're not sure what's on top of that ridge, but you're too tired to go up it. You know, it's always that what if, mm-hmm. and I don't. For me, for me personally, I don't want to have that what if and what could be. I want to know that my body is able to take me over there because I'm out there trying to take um, 
an, an animal out of its element. And if I'm going to respect that animal, I have to respect my, my body enough and the animal enough to be able to match it in its own, at its own game. Right. Um, how, and you don't have to, I don't want, because this is your job. I don't want you to tell all of the secrets <laughs> by any means. I don't like, you don't have to so tell many secrets. weights and, and reps and all of that. But what are some of the things that you've noticed, um, specifically for Western hunting for, uh, for stock hunting, um, and for being out there endurance wise, what are some of the things in general that have worked better for you? Yeah. So the type of training that I, I specialize in, I also have a certification in, um, I'm a certified functional strength coach through, the Mike Boyle program. He's one of my uh, weightlifting mentors. And that focuses on strengthening through movement patterns. Okay. So if you you think of all the movement patterns that you do throughout the day, squatting, upper body pushing, upper body pulling, and a hinge, which is a deadlift pattern. Yes. Um, I think of all those things, like what can I be doing? I'm going to be walking uphill a lot. I can guarantee that I'm going to have a pack on. Um, and if I am fortunate enough, I'm going to be pulling or carrying an animal back to the truck. Mm-hmm. So what kind of movements in the gym can I replicate that are going to benefit me out in, in the field. So uh, a lot of picking heavy things up off the floor, like a deadlift mm-hmm. or pulling um, heavy things. So kind of some seated rows. And am I going for endurance, being able to walk a really, really long way that day? Is that going to be what I'm training on? Because I will spend... 45 minutes on the treadmill walking on an incline and just picturing getting to the top and then glassing. And then I'm going to take a long, long break. Or am I going to be carrying an, an animal out? So I'm going to have to just deadlift over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yep. And is it a, is it a deer or is it an elk? And being able to just be able to have my body properly ready for that. Yeah. It's, uh, I was talking with, with a friend and we're over here in Tennessee. And so we've got white tail and I was, I was thinking about that in preparation for our discussion today and our conversation. And I was thinking I mm-hmm. prep 100% differently for white tail than I would have to prep for an elk. Um, Mm -hmm. just because, I mean, we still, especially finding out this year, hunting public land, there's a lot of hiking in and hiking out. And so it's not this, it's not just walking over to a stand and sitting, 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 sitting. There's still some prep that goes into it. But if I were to go out West or go out East, because we elk hunt in Tennessee, um, it would be, I would have to prep 100% different physically. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't, and you can prep as much as you want in the gym or wherever you're prepping, but until you're out there in it mm-hmm. and experience it and you're walking those hills and you're carrying, you know, your pack back, back out, you can prep as much as you want, but you're never going to know <laughs> if that prep paid off until you're out there doing it. Yeah. And yeah being out there and just doing it is just going to be the best way to know, you know, if that prep has, has paid off. And that's, that's the fun part and the frustrating part of, well, I'm going to might have to change that next year or yeah. this worked and this didn't. And it's just, you know, that re- revolving door of, you know, bodies change, strength changes. Um, I'm going to be hunting in a different, um, environment this year so how am I going to have to train for that Mm -hmm. and that's what keeps me keeps me excited about it is it's always changing and I have to keep learning and I have to keep getting better and developing my craft to keep up right I um I went hiking out in New Mexico a couple of years ago and we hiked uh, Lake Peak, which was a beautiful, um, it was a beautiful climb. It, was, it got up to, I think it was a 13,000 foot elevation and coming from Tennessee, oh, <laughs> there is no, there is, it is very hard to prep for that kind of elevation change. Um, other than going very slowly, um, when you get there, right. So coming from different elevations, because we are all over the place here, especially in the United States, um, Mm -hmm. it's like you said, until you get there, you are not going to, just because you prep doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. And um, Exactly. And the hurt is, it can be a good hurt and it can be a bad hurt. And so um, Mm -hmm. I found out that day hiking most of the day uphill in snowshoes that I was not properly prepared for that. (laughs) Um, But I came back knowing, okay, there might not be a way that I can 100% prep my body from going from zero to 13,000 feet. Um, But I can train my muscles so that my lungs don't have to work as hard as they did. Exactly. Or even taking a break, your body can recover that much faster Right, that you can keep going because it's probably, there's going to be some suffering involved, but how much can your body take Mm -hmm. and can you, can you keep going? Yeah. And And that's always my, my goal is I will be able to keep going. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and how quickly can you recover? Because the mm-hmm. more you exactly. are prepping, the easier your body and the faster your body recovers. Um, that's, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the hope. <laughs> that's the hope. That's what, that's what I'm hoping for. That is the hope. Well, how do you think, um, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because I do want to touch on this, um, with women in hunting because you are, one of us. And, um, Mm -hmm. 
And you have been in this community a bit longer than some other people, the people who start later or um, have not had the background that you've had. How have you seen over the years women in hunting changing? That's a great question. I didn't have a like a female hunting mentor per mm-hmm. se. Um, my I've got two older sisters and their their husbands. One of them is a full fledged backcountry hunter. Mm-hmm. He'll be gone for days, weeks at a time. The other one, he is a um, a competition long shooter Mm -hmm. and so he doesn't hunt necessarily um but as far as like female hunters in my life they were very few and far between Mm -hmm. and I was fortunate enough to have a family right across the street that turned into my second family Um, It was my dad's best friend and they have a son who we were the same age and we did everything together. And so I always grew up not, not with the understanding that I was any different, but that's just what we did. And if we were going to go hunt, it didn't even occur to me that I might be the only girl there. Or if we were going to go fish, I might be the only girl And it wasn't until I got older that I was like, oh, (laughs) I'm the only girl doing these things. Or I had friends that would go out and hunt with with their dads as well, but we never really talked about it. It wasn't something that we didn't think we were the only ones. Mm -hmm. We didn't think that it was rare. And coming back into it and really getting my feet wet into the hunting world again and seeing that that women in this sport is a rarity and it may be that we talk about it a lot more Mm -hmm. that that women in hunting the the numbers are very low but I've never thought of myself as a woman in hunting. I've always thought of myself as a hunter and a provider. Good. And I really, I really had to take a step back at that and think, yes, I am a hunter. Yes, I provide for my family, but what else do I represent demographically? And I think that's really exciting because I've never thought of myself as a role model or someone that people look up to, but then reaching out and having a network of women that I look up to and, you know, it may be, I thought um, it may be different um, hunting techniques as far as like bow hunting or muzzle loader, but we're all in this together. And the more that women can support 
one another, I think the more that it's going to grow, which is absolutely fantastic. And I just hope it keeps growing. Yep. I agree with you. I think that, you know, in the whole hunter huntress thing comes out, there's arguments on both sides of it. And there are definitely amazing women out there who hold that, um, that title well. There are Mm -hmm. some that don't hold that title well. And I think that, uh, I look at myself as a hunter. Um, I am a woman, but I am also a hunter. And there has been Mm -hmm. a little bit of, I guess, an argument inside of myself of, well, I don't want the title female hunter. I don't want the title huntress. I just want to be a hunter. But the more I think about that, the more I think, um, okay, well, I am a woman. And if I don't hold on to that, if I don't stand firm in that side of it too, then there are going to be girls growing up um, trying to find like, where are the other female hunters? Like, who can I look up to? Who can I? And so I do hold tight to the fact that I am a woman. I am a hunter. Um, I do what a man does walking out their door into the woods and I do it alone. I do it all by myself, just like someone else who would go out there. And yet I'm having to adapt things just like fitness, just like how you have had to learn how to adapt things in your strength training and training for these certain goals, we as women have to adapt the hunting community um, to how it will work for us. Yes, I totally get that. Um, My husband, he does not hunt. He doesn't have an an interest in it. He is not against hunting hunting by by any means Mm -hmm. every time I leave the house he says don't come home without dinner (laughs) and so whether I whether I come home with a harvest or I have to swing by the taco truck on the way home Uh I try not to come home without uh, something and that's always a a conversation that I have with, with people is, well, if you hunt, why doesn't your husband hunt? Well, he doesn't have to, Mm -hmm. we don't have to have the same interest. Uh, He loves basketball and I would rather watch paint dry. Like (laughs) I just do not have (laughs) an, an interest in that. And I think that's the beauty of marriage is we don't have to do everything together, mm-hmm. but being able to respect what the other person has a passion for is what what makes things work. And we have both developed hobbies that we can do together, mm-hmm. but we don't have to, I don't have to force him into hunting with me. He will come on a sit with me, but he's just, it's not something that he's totally interested in. And I think it gives me some some power as a wife going out there on my own, knowing that number one, he trusts me to come home safe. Yes, that he knows he knows that I am skillful and knowledgeable, and 
I will come home safe. And if I, I do need help, I do have a very, I have a long list of people that I can call to come help me if that situation calls for it. Um, but like I said, we don't have to have the same mm-hmm. interests. Yep. Yep. I agree. There's, there are a couple of things that my husband does that I'm, I'm glad that he does those things on his own. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've, we have, I got into hunting because my husband hunted and, um, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, one of the things was we can do this together, but in actuality, we've never hunted together. So <laughs> it's oh, really, no, we've never hunted together. And so we've always had kids. Somebody's had to stay home or, um, we draw straws on who gets to go. And, uh, it's been more of a common conversation. He likes to hunt more Mm -hmm. in the warmer times and I'm good hunting when it's cold. Um, so it's a good, we've, we've adapted our hunting, um, to how it works for our family. Um, but Mm -hmm. there are still things that I do that he, I guess would, to use your analogy, would rather watch paint dry and, um, it's same for me, but, um, we both do agree that including our kids in this and passing it on to the next generation is so important. Oh, absolutely. And I hope that is something that I can do someday. Yeah. Because I think that just, just having a skill set to be able to provide for, your family mm-hmm. is something that you can just have so much pride in, but you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. The world is so unpredictable that, you know, God, God forbid that we may have to live this way mm-hmm. for no, no choice of our own, Yeah, but we're forced to. And so being able to fall back on a skill set is just of, I think of utmost, utmost importance. And, and we, I, I posted this today. The fact that hunting isn't just harvesting an animal, like you said in the beginning, these skill sets that your dad taught you along the way that you didn't realize each one of those little bitty things goes into the whole summation of hunting. Hunting starts from prep to hopefully harvesting an animal, but that's not going to, I mean, for me, it doesn't happen 80 to 90% of the time. And so, um, it's those little things. How do you check yourself in? How do you check yourself out? How do you look for signs? How do you, uh, stay aware of your surroundings so that you aren't put in danger? Um, what's your escape plan? What are your supplies that you take in? Like all of these things go in, to hunting and also enjoying the environment that you're in. And so, um, I don't, it's, it's something passing on to other people who are non hunters who might be interested in it. Hey, this isn't just one end goal. There are a lot of goals within hunting. Oh, there's so many goals within it. Every time you, leave the house, obviously number one goal is making it home safe. Yes. But everything in between, you know, walking out that door and 
coming back in, every little thing in in between is a success. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And it's important to know those things because if you go out ill-prepared, not just physically, but mentally and um, and safety wise, then you're doing a disservice to yourself mm-hmm. and to those around you and to whoever is watching you to learn. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. Yep. So I know that our numbers as women are growing. Um, they're actually growing faster than men right now. Um, but the numbers of women exiting hunting are exponential. Um, And so I can't help, like you touched on this earlier, you didn't realize for a while, hey, I'm the only girl. But after you started realizing and looking around and trying to find somebody that you can reach out and touch, um, who's also a woman who hunts, it's difficult to find them close by. Social media has been amazing to connect our worlds together. Um, But how are some of the ways that we as a community of women who hunt, what do you think are some ways that we can keep women in this sport, in in our community? That is something that I ask myself a lot. Um, Me too. That's why I'm asking. It's like, (laughs) just, it's, we all have our comfort zones and I follow some, some amazing girls that are amazing um, archery hunters. And I am not an archery hunter myself, but I am really wanting to get, get into this, into um, the sport of archery and bow hunting. And I have always planned to, I want to be taught by one of them, or I want to go on a shoot with one of these girls that I watched because they are successful more times than not. Mm -hmm. And they're always practicing. And I envy their dedication to that sport. And if I can reach out and be taught by someone else, you never know who's who's watching uh-huh. to, that might reach out to them as well. Being like, I learned from this girl and she's awesome. And she taught me so much and being able to brag about another woman in a sport that, that women aren't giving enough. Um, I wouldn't say enough um, spotlight on, but maybe they're too scared to ask because it's not something that, you know, we quote unquote typically do, mm-hmm. but the the more good um, attention that, that we can give it, I think is going to be what this sport needs. And like you said, through social media, it has really brought together this community of women hunters. Yes. And being able to reach out to someone like you or feel direct contact to um, the Eva Shockies or mm-hmm. the Longorias and just being able to be like, they're doing it too. I can do that too. And just having the, the confidence boost to raise 
raise us all up in Mm -hmm. this this community and just keep talking about the positive benefits of it. Right. It's a, it's closing that circle a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. makes it feel, I don't know. It makes it closing the circle makes me feel less alone. Um, and less, there are always people that I can reach out to to ask questions, um, to grow, but finding people within your community, whether it's a state away, um, or just in the next neighborhood, somebody that you can actually reach out to and touch is a hundred times better. Um, because it's hands-on it's, Hey, this Mm -hmm. is like learning, how to bow hunt. It would be great to have somebody come behind me and say, Hey, if you twist your elbow this way, because they are there and they can see it and they can tangibly put their hand on my elbow and move it and say, if you put your elbow here, when Mm -hmm. you release, you are going to notice a difference. That means a hundred times more, um, than, I mean, encouragement is great. Community is great, but having somebody that's able to do that is awesome. Um, And I have been able to, through Instagram, find people within a state away who can do that. Um, You might have to travel a little bit. You might have to meet halfway. You might have to make some um, plans, but um, I don't feel so isolated anymore. Absolutely. And I think that that is what is going to keep our numbers of women in and keep them from dropping is not just mm-hmm. the the talk, but making plans to um, to tangibly be in the same room <laughs> or at the same range or do a 3D um, yes. walk like it's um, or go hunting together. It, it's just something you it takes it from social media, uh, relationship, it takes it that step further. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's, and I, I just, I always catch myself thinking, you know, like, what is it? Is it, are we just intimidated because it's new? Mm -hmm. Are we scared because it's, we've never done it before? Um, and it's not the like typical woman thing to do. And I think that the more that we talk about it, the more that it can become a reality. Yeah. Well, and I think that up to a certain point, I can take myself somewhere. But at a certain point, I kind of plateau. And it's the same with in the fitness industry. You can take yourself so far, but until you investigate, until you learn, or until some you reach out to somebody who is that step ahead, who can pull you up to that level. Um, it's, I think if you plateau and there's nobody to reach out to, um, I think it can mm-hmm. become discouraging and it can kind of slack off and you don't make time for it and you don't, you just find yourself out all of a sudden, but having that person to reach up to you. And then on the flip side, having somebody to reach down to, to pull up as you're going up. Um, and that's mm-hmm. mentor. I mean, that's mentorship. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always tell my, my clients that, and 
uh, a life motto that I try to live by is find someone that has your like, like mindset, Mm -hmm. someone that has a growth mindset and who's going to force you to raise your standards for your life. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, we all plateau at some point. But what are you going to do to get yourself out of that? Is it something that you are are going to do, or is it a a mentor or someone in your circle that's going to force you to raise your standards and keep bettering yourself? Yep. And I think that is so important to keep growing mm-hmm. because we're not. We're not just going to stay in the same place all the time and keep getting those same results that we experienced in success. You always have to keep pushing yourself to get better. Yep. And the hunting industry, it is a growing industry. It is a constant changing um, community and industry. And so it is, there's always a push. It's just, do you have somebody pushing you or do you have somebody pulling you in your circle? So, um, Mm -hmm. I think that, that whenever I've been thinking about that, how can we keep women in our community without them dropping? Um, I think that's one of the things that I've, I've kind of held onto, Hey, who's mentoring who, who has Mm -hmm. your hand? Who do you have? Um, and if we can keep doing that, then our circle, as our circle grows, it's going to get bigger, but it's also going to close in um, and and close out some gaps. And I think it's so important. So important. So um, tell me what – so I myself – each year before hunting season and probably during prep season, I kind of set goals for myself for the year, um, personally, business wise, um, and also in hunting. And so I'm kind of wondering like, what have been, like, how was your season last year and how have you planned to grow it this year or grow in it? My season last year was grueling. Uh, you were not the only person from, that I've heard that from. <laughs> grueling last year. Um, 2018 was a butt kicker. Um, we moved, I switched states. And so I went from hunting in Oregon primarily to hunting Washington. Mm-hmm. And that number one was an absolute game changer. Growing up, we always went to the mountains and it was very uh, forested. And you're, I was, I grew up knowing or having a better idea of what the animals were going to do um, in higher wooded elevations. Mm-hmm. Hunting deer in um, the, the Walla Walla area Mm -hmm. has just been a absolute learning curve for me. (laughs) Last year was the first year that I hunted in Washington. I wasn't able to hunt the 2017 season because I was, wasn't a Oregon resident, but I hadn't served enough time in Washington to get a Washington residency yet. So I didn't get to hunt at all in 
2017. So I hiked and scouted a lot for people, mm-hmm. but I didn't get to hunt um, myself. So um, that was kind of my introduction to these rolling wheat field CRP lands mm-hmm. that <laughs> we hunt deer here. Mm-hmm. And I, it was just such an eye opener because I had no idea what I was doing. Like there's not a tree in sight. There is sagebrush and there's star thistle. Mm-hmm. And I, I have had no idea how deer behaved, where, where they would bed and how they were su- surviving out here. I could not even wrap my head around it. So being able just to learn animal patterns in, well, deer patterns in this totally new landscape was I had to learn quick Mm -hmm. and 2018 I had to learn on the fly and I had some really awesome people take me under their wing and number one show me places to hunt little and and just explain you know deer patterns in this landscape because I hadn't even seen deer live in this this area just didn't even occur to me like we live in the foothills. Why wouldn't we just, just drive on top? And they're like, well, why wouldn't, why, why would we drive an hour and a half when we can drive 15 minutes? Yep. And I was like, Oh, okay. Show me <laughs> how. So learning on the fly last year. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Teach me everything. Mm-hmm. And 2018, I had to learn on the fly and still working during the week and going out in between clients and looking and scouting and staying out till dark and um, hunting before work, hunting after work till it got dark. It was a grueling process. And I had in, in Washington, it is a three point buck or better. Mm -hmm. And I was able to connect on a, legal buck on the very last day of the hunting season. And he was a buck that I had passed up every single day of my hunt. And it was a buck that I had seen every single day and he just wasn't the one that I was going after. Mm -hmm. And the very last day I made the decision um, to pull, pull the trigger on this buck. And I had never been so excited <laughs> to take a, a deer home. It was grueling. I was mentally exhausted. I was physically drained, but I was so excited to be able to take this deer home. Yeah. And that was such a huge year for me. I think I, I grew as a person as much or more as I grew as a hunter, just being able to, push my mind and my body to the point of wanting just to almost not go out anymore. Mm. And I was, and I got to the point where if I'm not happy going out there, something has to change. And it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying hunting. I wasn't putting in the time enough time to learn. Mm, gotcha. so I was frustrated. I was frustrated that I didn't, that I wasn't retaining the knowledge or I didn't understand 
the, the landscapes that these deer were in. And it was just so new, new to me. And I was frustrated that I was a beginner at something. Yes. I think you, you just and nailed so, it right there. You just hit the nail. Right? Yes. <laughs> I was yeah. so frustrated that I was a beginner at something when I was so used to mm-hmm. and knowing and being able to predict what was going to happen in higher wooded elevations. Mm-hmm. So 2019 season just started, right? Just started. Yes. And I was able to fill my tag on night two. I saw that and I was like, (laughs) I told my husband, it's like, this is so exciting. I can't believe she got it in the first week. (laughs) I couldn't either. I was in it for the long haul. I was so ready. I was mentally prepared. I was ready to hike those rolling hills and (laughs) my nemesis, the star thistle and just put in the time on the hill and look through the brush and glassing all day. And it was just, I like to say it's a mix between preparedness and luck Mm -hmm. is when you, when you connect. Yeah. And it was, it was just that of, we drove in, we saw a herd of deer. Um, I got out of the truck, made my move and was able to make it happen. And I had, um, I call him my unbiological brother Mm -hmm. from we, the family that I had mentioned before. Um, he, he was with me and it was just so much fun for us to experience that out of all the times that we have hunted and fished and done activities together. That was the first time that he's able to see me take home an animal. And so being able for us to share that, I think was more exciting Mm -hmm. than me being able to take home an an animal this year. It expounded it all. Yeah. That is, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for you. It was. I am too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think those years that you struggle, I had a season that I think I went out more than I've ever gone out. And I think because our season is from the end of September until January and it is a long season and I hunted almost once a week. Um, and I know that doesn't sound much, but if you add all of that together and work and kids and family getting out there once a week, twice a week, sometimes and seeing deer, maybe three times. That whole season, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of frustration coming home and being frustrated. And I did not, that whole season, I did not, I felt cursed. And I know that that's stupid Mm -hmm. to say. I know that that's just my frustration coming out, but truly at the end of the season, I felt cursed. And, um, and so to go out the next season and before Thanksgiving, have a buck, um, that I've taken out, like to, to have a harvest before Thanksgiving was just icing on the cake. And, um, it, 
was a good feeling. And I think that those grueling years make you appreciate the good years even so much more. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I was saying, 2018, I was going, <laughs> I was run from the gym out, out to the hills. I'd be wearing, you know, um, leggings and hiking boots and then having to switch shoes when I ran back to the gym mm-hmm. and I was exhausted all the time. And last day of the hunt, being able to connect to this year, being so prepared and scouting an entire month before going out every weekend Mm -hmm. and then having it just unfold like a fairy tale in front of me on Sunday night was was something that I wasn't (laughs) expecting, but oh my goodness, does it feel good? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's on your bucket list? I mean, you filled your tag for this year. I was thinking about this. (laughs) Um, I have um, an over-the-counter elk tag for Washington, Mm -hmm. which puts me a little bit more in my element of being um, up higher in the woods. Um, So that puts me a little bit more in my element, and I'm really excited. Uh, I love hunting elk. My dad really instilled his love for elk hunting into me Mm -hmm. and it's just something that we love to do together Uh, my dad is my primary hunting partner and we both just we love it and as much as we think we know about elk they're just always one step ahead Mm -hmm. so it's really fun for us to go out there Um, so I have that tag left and I also have a fall bear tag um, that is good till the end of November. So I'm going to be hunting those both awesome. um, for about the next month and a half or so. Um, but as far as bucket list hunts, I was thinking about this um, this morning and it's always been um, an Alaska caribou mm-hmm. is on my like dream bucket list. I think that would just be the coolest hunt and um, an access deer in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I think they just have the coolest coat and just, and I've heard that they are just a delight to eat as well. Mm -hmm. I think that people, um, when we're talking about bucket list and things like that, it's, um, there, there are a lot of awesome things that come with the different species of animals that we hunt, but it's also learning how to hunt those different species that brings a different, um, perspective to it. You're, you're learning the different ways to stalk. You're learning the different ways to, um, to hunt them. And it, I don't know. It's the challenge is there. It's not just, Ooh, I get to hunt this awesome animal. It's, I get to learn how to hunt this awesome animal. Yes, exactly. Yep. So when I, when I talk bucket list, I'm like how to hunt these animals. That's, that's the exciting part. Yeah. That's what it it comes down to is like, how can I prepare for this? Mm -hmm. How do I get better? And my mindset has totally changed. Um, we talked about being a beginner at something and I hated it. (laughs) Um, 2018 season, but I sat down and I 
keep goals a lot and I like to write down um, a lot of my progress and processes. And now I strive to be a beginner at something because that just builds your skill set. And if you can train your mind to accomplish what you didn't think was possible, it opens so many doors. And again, it's just that snowball effect and flooding through of what other aspects of my life is that going to bleed into? Yeah. So I strive to be a beginner at something at least once a year, just learning a new skill or learning a new environment and just seeing how else that can affect my life. And that doesn't have to be fitness or hunting. It can be um, learning a new skill like the piano. Mm-hmm. Um Cooking. And just being yeah. a beginner at something is just has been something that I strive for this last this last year. I think uh, allowing ourselves patience to be beginners gives us the ability to be patient with other people who are beginners. Um, and that's yeah. how we can keep our community growing because if we don't keep reminding ourselves what it's like to be a beginner, then we're not going to have patience to teach somebody else. And if you don't teach somebody else, then you're not passing it on. And so it's, uh, I think that's a great goal to have each year. Not just for growth, I but you for, for learning how to be patient with ourselves and with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. everybody is a teacher at yes. their their own their own skill, whether they they know it or not. And everyone, you're always a student. The moment that you stop learning is the moment you stop growing. Yes, and I never want to be able to say that I stopped growing. I agree. I definitely agree. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate your time today, but I also want people to be able to connect with you. So tell, um, tell everybody how all of the ways that they can follow and connect with you. Yes. My Instagram is at Kelswolbs, K-E-L-S-W-O-E-L-B-S. And I have a blog. It is called Grace Grit Fit at blogspot.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, everybody check in with, with Kelsey. She is awesome. Follow her um, for tricks of the trade and fitness and reach out to her if you um, have fitness goals, especially as hunters. Uh, she can probably specify to the nth degree of what you need. Um, And it's something that you can do um, probably from different states, from different, like you can help people not just in your own gym, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. The internet is just an amazing tool. It's great. And (laughs) yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Kelsey. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Amy. All right, if you want to follow Kelsey on Instagram, follow her at K-E-L-S-W-O-E-L-B-S or go follow her on her blog at gracegritfit at blogspot.com. Thank you for listening. 
Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hey everyone, this is Andrew with Sasquatch Fuel. If you're heading into the bad country this season and you need some meals that don't bog you down, check out sasquatchfuel.com. Our 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the bad country. For more information on conservation in action, head to sasquatchfuel.com. Hey guys, enter code Western Contours at checkout and save a few bucks off your order.